It's good to be here, even though we didn't plan on being here. Um, I've been out for over a month now after my trip in Africa and then coming straight here. Um, but having my wife with me makes it a lot easier here. Um, feel at home and she's around. So I don't really miss home, though it's always good to be in a place you feel settled. Um, brings a kind of level of comfort, but a blessing always to be with you and to express our thanks for your invitation here and uh, for your warm, well, the word is not warm. I'll use it, since I'm from Barbados, hot <laughs> fellowship. Um, I've been really um, endearing. You've been very, uh, have made all of us feel very comfortable in being in fellowship with you all over the past years and this past week. And on behalf of the others, he, uh, Brother Gopi from Trinidad, Brother Philip, and Brother Willis, um, I want to say thanks for having them along. And it was a real, uh, to Philip particularly, the first time he was here too, um, this has made a great big impression upon him as well. And their words of thanks written or said will never be able to convey. And these are not just cliches, all right? I know sometimes we learn cliches to say at the right time. Uh, but this is from the heart of, of these, um, from all of us and from them particularly. And the, just the, the fellowship that they experienced during the conference has really um, encouraged them tremendously. And, and living for the Lord and seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Um, we were supposed to be home this morning. We were supposed to preach in the radio station. Our local government radio station um, came to the church this morning to broadcast our service live. They do that every now and then. And anyhow, um, got um, Brother Derek Collimore. He did that for us. Uh, but those who have been to Barbados met him. Uh, so... Brother Philip will be preaching tonight um, in our service. Just in case you have uh, your times don't clash with your church service, uh, you can join us for the preaching service, not the whole service yet, but the, for the preaching service on a Sunday morning at 9 o'clock. Well, you'll be getting ready for church, so uh, that would be out of your... Uh, I want to encourage you to do that, be in church. And, uh, and on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock... Um, gbcbarbados.org and if you put that in gbcbarbados.org then you'll come on the link of um, live streaming you just click on that and uh, we just started doing that well, a little while we had it on audio uh, for a little while now it's on uh, streaming so we're just starting out uh, with just one camera for the time being you have I mean looking at the preacher all the times I think they see some of you on the congregation. The others at home told us so. They were um, on the, for the conference. They were following the conference. And, and they said, oh, we saw you uh, sitting in different places. So uh, just thank the Lord for this opportunity of being able to share the word of God uh, to so many people that you don't see um, online. And God is... God used the things of this world, things man has made for us, to help us to get the gospel out. Um, 
to the uttermost part of the earth. I thought of continuing um, in what we had started out for the conference, but the Lord led differently um, this morning. There were several other messages. There are several other messages beside the, the three, well, the four I preached as far as um, uh, God's in God's school. Um, and I thought I would continue that. But today I feel led of going to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. To deal with some matter of stewardship. Paul tells us in the book of Corinthians that a steward need to be faithful. When you look at the parables, you'll find the parables has much to do with stewardship, with stewards, and in relationship to the kingdom. Um, in Luke chapter 5, I want to use that as an example um, of trying to teach us to be good stewards and let the Lord Jesus use that which he asked us for and to see the ultimate result of being a good steward. Or Father, I'm asking you to help me as I explain your word. Um, help us to receive it with meekness that it might uh, deliver our souls and that we might glorify thee and we might follow thee. I ask your blessing in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. This is a story of the Lord Jesus uh, with Peter and his boats and how he told him to launch out into the deep. And we want to go through this. I'm not going to read all of it and then come back to it. I'm, I will read as I go through this this morning. Well, I want you to follow um, a progression of certain things. We will hint at them as we go through. We won't dwell on these progressions. But we see the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all. He, it tells us in verse 1, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Afterwards, it tells us that, that he came down in verse, the latter, um, latter part of, well, verse, sorry, in verse 2, it tells us he saw um, the two ships standing, and you'll, this is another progression. The Lord Jesus was standing, the two ships standing. Then he went and he sat down and he, in, in verse 3, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And later on, he, we see the disciples following him. The two ships, uh, the, the ships there were number one, they were standing. Then you see that he told Peter to thrust out a little from the land. And then later on, we see that he told him to launch out into the deep. So we see the ship on land, a little bit out into the shore, and then further off, he told the land out in deep. Actually, the ship ends up back on land, and this is um, something we want to uh, refer to as well. Uh, we see the different uh, aspects of Peter himself um, with the Lord, and, and Peter standing there with his nets, washing his nets, then he going out into the boat, uh, from the boat, we see him falling at the feet of the Lord Jesus, and then we see him following the Lord Jesus. And so this is uh, a cycle of progression as we begin our life of stewardship. Now, this is fairly early in the life of uh, the disciples with the Lord Jesus. This is connected to Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 19 onward, when he met them. And he, uh, Matthew gives a very... Uh, 
concise version of the events here, and they followed the Lord Jesus. Here Luke elaborates on them. And he says unto them, as he saw them washing their nets, uh, they were gone, they were washing their nets. Now, the story goes on that they had caught nothing. And here they were washing the nets. Now, it meant when they caught nothing, it meant they caught no fish. But they must have caught something else that they were washing their nets. Um, another place, it tells us they were mending their nets. And the word mending comes from the word perfect found in the book of Ephesians when it says for the perfecting of the saints and so on. And the word mending has to do with uh, making the nets perfect again. When you, when you cast out your net, sometimes they get torn. And if you don't mend them back, then the fish would get away. And so the word mending is the word perfecting, making the nets perfect again, so that they might be able to use their nets for the purpose. And so Bible tells us that's what pastors need to do in their preaching for the mending or for the perfecting of the saints, to keep the saints, their nets uh, ready to do its work. And all of us, in, in the course of life, the things that happen to us in our ministries, um, certain things happen to us that we need to, whether it be physical, moral, uh, moral, or any other aspect of our lives, we have to keep mending our nets so that they will be always ready to do the work that it's intended to do. So they were washing their nets. And so he came and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land. Here the Lord, he, the, the press, the crowd was upon him, and he decided to go into this boat to preach to them. Apparently, um, around the Lake of Galilee, it says the acoustics are that good, and so that you can go outward uh, in, in the ship, and all the people there, and they would be able to hear his voice, but he needed somebody's boat to use. And he borrowed and he asked Peter to go thrust out and Peter obeyed. Uh, Peter never knew the blessings that would come out of that. And that's what we want you to see. That when you give to the Lord Jesus Christ that which he asked for, to let him use it. Um, he borrowed it. He didn't say, I want you to turn it over to me. But even if he did, sometimes he does that. But he just told him, thrust out a little. And Peter complied to that. The first thought here is that in our lives, there are things that we own. Whether they were like Peter, things for our occupation, our profession, or whether they be for our hobbies, uh, whether it be for any other area of our lives, sometimes the Lord wants to use it. We must always make our things available to the Lord. In the line of being good stewards, and to be able to arrive or to experience the ultimate purpose of the Lord saying, I want to use this. We must be ready to give it to it. The song that Francis Havergal wrote that we sing so often, the song says that she's given uh, the Lord Jesus all to, not all to thee, I surrender, but um, help me here now. Um, my give, uh, I, I, no, no, not that one. I <laughs> I consecrate them to thee. Anyhow, it's one about um, my silver and my gold, not a mite from thee would I withhold. That, that one. Huh? All to thee? All right. And that, um, I, but she said there in the song, and she was a very good poetess, 
and she would just write uh, as it came to her mind. And says after she had written, written all, I, take my hands, take my feet, take my voice, and let me sing for thee, and so on. The, that verse of take my silver and my gold, not a mite from thee would I withhold, just flowed naturally in the song. And so um, one day she was going back over that song. And she realized what she wrote. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite from thee will I withhold. It said that she was a woman of, of fairly good wealth and had a lot of jewelry. And right there and then she got convicted. That she actually wrote that at first and it was just poetic. And a lot of times our lives are like that. And we, you know, they sound nice, but we don't really mean them because it, um, it just flows, go with the flow as it were. Um, and God spoke to her. And she said to the Lord, Lord, at that time, I give to thee all. Now, you know, oftentimes, it's strange with us human beings, it seems easier to give the Lord our hands and our feet, but when it comes to our silver and our gold, there's something that is a little more difficult to let go on, our silver and our gold. And she, she got down on her knees and says, Lord, all I have, I consecrate to you, all to thee. Now, I didn't mean that she took all that she had in the next church service as the offering came around. She dumped all into it. No. And she told the Lord, Lord, anytime I know that you need any of this, it's available to you. It's available. And that's what the, the place we need to come to. Whatever I own, whatever I am in my life, Lord, I make them available to you. Now, it doesn't mean that the Lord will use them. But you know, you get the same blessing as the one that God uses. Because there's availability that the Lord wants. And once he may, you make them available to you, sometimes we are scared of making ourselves available because we don't know what the Lord can do with us. And, you know, we hear sometimes horror stories about people who give themselves to the Lord, where they ended up, and, and sometimes we withhold that. But when we make ourselves available, that's all God wants. doesn't mean that he will use it, but he will bless you for making it available. And I trust that you'd understand that principle of making yourself available. Says, Lord, hear my. And not just go with the poetic words of hymns that I often myself do. And I have to, while I'm singing them, or I have to jerk myself into reality. I just sang that. And I have to go over it again in my mind. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord, over a mountain, land or sea or wherever it is. And then, you know, you just sang that. So uh, the music and everything else. And then I just sang that. Do I really mean it? So Peter made his boat available to the Lord. The Lord didn't even tell him what he was going to do with it. He just said, Peter, I want you to thrust out a little from land. And Peter did that. And then he saw the Lord sat down in his boat and the Bible says there and taught the people out of the ship. You will see later on what happens now. Here in this first case, this, um, this first cycle is that from Peter's boat, 
that he allowed the Lord to use, people heard the Lord Jesus preach and teach. What a blessing it is that through what you make available to the Lord, the Lord could use it to reach other people. You'll see later on another process. And when Peter, because Peter allowed the Lord to use his boat, how many other people were blessed. And so he entered and he taught the people out of the ship. Verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. Now, number one, the Lord starts with us, you know, like a baby. He does not want us to run when he knows we can only walk. He takes us and he leads us gently. He orders the steps of the righteous man. Gently, he says, I will lead you. And so the first thing he tells Peter, the boat was on land, he says, thrust out a little. That's all. And that's all he wants us to do. Thrust out a little. Some of us are so scared of saying, Lord, here am I, because we feel he can take us from land and throw us into deep waters one time. And Lord, I can't swim, so don't put me in deep waters. Now, I would say, I wouldn't say the Lord will never do that. Because God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rises upon the storm. And he might do that, but I can assure you that if you can't swim and the Lord puts you in deep water, he's going to keep you afloat. He's going to keep your head above the water. But generally speaking, it's step by step. Thrust out a little. This morning, maybe that's the... That's the state or the stage you're in that all the Lord wants of you in a particular area of your life is thrust out a little. Just take that one step and stay there and let the Lord use that. Then he might be able to tell you launch out into the deep. And that's a process with Peter. And you could look at your life and see um, how God's, God worked in different ways and just got you to step out a little and wait there, and he, he used you, what ability you have, uh, what little you had, he used it. And when he knows that you're able to handle that, then he could tell you, launch out into the deep. Now that's what we need to come to in our lives. That we just don't stay in the shallow place. That you can hear him says, launch out into the deep. I don't know how many of us are ready for that. It says launch out into the deep. Maybe you are in the process of doing that and you feel as if, Lord, my, my feet, I wouldn't be able to touch the, 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 the sand. I don't know if I can handle the waves out there, Lord. And God wants you to launch out into the deep by your faith. Whatever it is, is uh, in this case, it's something he owned. But the Lord wanted to use it to, show, to teach Peter a lesson, to bring him to the desired place. Maybe you're here and you're not baptized. And God is telling you, I want you to step out a little. I want you to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. But you're fearful because... Maybe you've heard people who got baptized and then what happened to them. Um, 
I don't know how it is in the U.S. about people who get baptized, but in, in Barbados and in the islands, when you become a Christian, mm, no big thing really with a lot of people, but the moment you tell them that you can get baptized, then they start to look forward to, to see where, whether you mean, mean that or not. They put a great emphasis on your decision to get baptized. And so there's a pressure on people to get baptized. They're scared of getting baptized because they're fearful that they will not continue. Maybe you need to step out by faith a little bit. Maybe there's some other ministry in your life and maybe you've trust out a little already. And the Lord is telling you this morning or some other time in your life, I want you to launch out a little more. I want you to add to your faith the things that Peter says. I want you to add to your ministry. I want, to, want you a little more time that you give to me. I want you to launch out a little further with your time. I want you to spend a little more time in the house of the Lord. I want you to be in the place more often. And you might say, well, Lord, I just can't make it meet because of my other schedules. But if the Lord tells you to launch out a little more deep in the deep, in that particular area of your life, the Lord will take care of your schedule for you. And the reason he's telling you to launch out because there's greater blessings he wants to come your way and to bless other people. Are you scared to launch out into the deep? Well, in one of our messages, in God's school of disturbance, it's better to obey the Lord and launch out in the deep because he might just have to push your nest over. Because he wants you to experience what you're made for. He wants you to experience what he has promised to us. And so, when we're scared to launch out in the deep, he might have to just push, out in, uh, push us out in the deep. And you know, it's better to say, you know, I'm glad I did that, rather than have to say, God had to do something to me to get me to launch out. It's far better to obey than to be pushed to get it done. So Simon, as he told him, launch out into the deep. He did. Launch out. And then he tells him, let down your nets for a draft or a big catch of fish. Launch out in the deep. Launch out. And then cast out your net. So Peter answered, Master, we have toiled all night. Now Peter and the others knew the sea out there well when to go fishing. And they went fishing at night. And they knew that's when they would catch fish. I'm not a fisherman, but I fished a little bit. And I learned that the hard way. Go fishing the whole day and caught. I caught what Peter caught. You know the fish Peter caught? What it's called? He says, I caught nothing. That's the name of the fish. And I've learned, I've caught caught that fish so often in my life. Nothing. And because... I went fishing the wrong time of the day. And somebody told me that. So they knew that sea. And they went at night and they caught nothing. So now it's a daytime. And the Lord says, launch out in the deep. Cast over your net now. Now, the Lord has a plan. That's what he wanted Peter to do. So let me use your boat. I'll preach from it. All right, Peter says, no big problem. 
Then he says, Peter launched out of the deep. Peter didn't know what he was telling him to do, so he launched out of the deep. And he says, cast your net over. So then Peter said, hey, Lord. Now, the other times he, he didn't answer. When the Lord told him, cast out a little bit. When he told him to launch out, no. Cast your net. And that's when Peter answered and said, Lord, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Well, I like Peter, you know. He's one of my favorites. I see myself impulsive like him, different ways. Um, He says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will do it. The thought here is this. Even when you're not confident in what you're doing, if the Lord tells you to do it, do it. Leave the rest to him. He was a fisherman. He fished there most of his life. And he knew that time of the day, you don't catch fish. But at your word, Lord, I'm going to do it. Now, I believe that Peter did it. Maybe, mm, I know we're not going to catch anything. But I can do it, Lord. And even when you have doubts, when the Lord says do it, just do it. When you have fears and the Lord says do it, you just do it. That's a good steward to obey the master. Maybe you've been in a job and, and the boss told you to do something and you said, boss, I mean, you told, I don't think this could work. But he wants you to do it. Well, if, he's, if he is your employer, you do it. That's what happened to me already. I didn't figure it out, but that's what you want done. I can do it. Even if it fails, I can obey. I will do it. Much less the master of the sea. Obey. Even when not confident. Well, it tells us in verse 6, and when, he had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes that the net broke. So they they had to go after that, you know what's going to do. They have to mend their nets again, keep it perfect. That's why I said sometimes in our lives, when we do things for the Lord, our nets get broken. We have to go on the mending process, the perfecting process, so that we can use them again. And so, here, number one, the blessing, they caught all these fish in the daytime when they thought they were not going to catch anything. But to me, the greatest blessing of this now is the next verse, verse 7. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. One of the greatest blessings of obeying the Lord, about launching out in the deep, is that God uses you to bless other people. These other people, they were there. They didn't throw over their nets. But they enjoyed your blessings. And God used them as a channel of blessing to bless his partners. And that's one of the great areas of our lives. We sing that song, make me a channel of blessing. And what is our life if it is not to bless other people? A means, a a channel, a source. And the joy 
that comes to the soul. When God is able to use what we have or who we are to see other people's heart filled with joy. To know that here's a person or a project or or ministry that through your availability that God blessed you because Peter got fish. But enough fish that he could call his partners and they too were blessed. There's a verse in Psalm 23. He fills my cup and it overflows. And there are many, many examples in scripture where God shows us that God blesses us and he overflows. In promises in the Bible, one of them that comes to my mind is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But the verse doesn't end there. You come to him with your sin that you're confessing. And if you confess that, it says, he will forgive your sins. And then he adds on this, and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He fills your cup, forgive you for your sins, and then all the other unrighteousness in your life, he cleanses it. You know why? At least my view, is that God knows that if you knew because you came with this sin, and that you confessed it, and you said, God, and you were really sorry, you know, that you sinned, and you're asking him to forgive you for that sin. That God knows that if you had known of all those other sins in your life, because there are sins that we have that we have not yet reached, the, the maturity or the understanding that they are sins. But God knows that if you had known that they were there in your life, you would have asked him to forgive you. So what he does is that since you are faithful and you're sincere in this one sin or sins that you're confessing, God just does not leave you with some of that dirt. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. This is just a thought. Maybe for just a split second after your confession of your sins and he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, you've reached the state not of sinlessness, but sin not in your life. It doesn't take us very long soon after that for sin to come back. Uh, maybe of pride, maybe some little thing soon afterwards. As soon as that happens, somebody come and you give them an angry word or you react wrong manner. But God fills our cups and it overflows. And that's what he did with these people here. Well, let's move on because of the time. And, this, and the ship began to sink. When Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And the Lord is bringing Simon to a place. Bringing, and that's the place that we need to come to in our lives. Many people, when they get, first got converted, they often see themselves as sinful people. Friends, if through your life you don't understand who you are before God, and you might be involved, you, you know, you living for the Lord and everything else. But like Paul, in us dwelleth no good thing. And that when we see ourselves before God, the all holy God that he is, dear friend, we must see ourselves as sinful people. It's a, a wonderful cycle. That more I see God in his holiness more I see myself in my sinfulness. And more I see myself in my sinfulness, more I desire 
to be like his holiness. And more I desire, uh, more I desire and I see him in his holiness, more sinful I see myself. It's a, it's a strange cycle, but it's a wonderful cycle that brings us to the conformity of the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime you feel that you're not sinful, you know, you're also righteous, then friends, you are very sinful. You're not seeing God in his holiness. And that's how we must see ourselves. For he was astonished at all that were with him at the draught of fishes which he had taken. And so the Lord starts him out with this wonderful miracle. And so it was also with James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. They too were there with him. And they saw and experienced that blessing and encouraged them. And then this is what the Lord Jesus told them. Fear not, for henceforth thou shalt catch men. This long, this miracle and everything else from the launching out a little, sitting down in the boat, and the process, uh, launch out in the deep, throw your net overboard, was leading to this place. For Peter and the others to yield themselves to the Lord for him to tell them this. From henceforth thou shalt catch men. If you make one thing available to the Lord, he will lead you in a greater process to fulfill his perfect will for your life. And all of us, there's a perfect will for our lives that we must be able to accomplish. And to be able to come to the end of our lives like Paul, when he comes to the end of our lives and says, I've finished my race. I've accomplished what God wanted me to accomplish. Henceforth, I'm ready to be given up. I'm ready. That's the place we need to come to. But we must start out with the little, the launch out, the process that he's taken us to. In this case, it was that them to be people who would teach other people about the Lord Jesus. And they did. Verse 11. And when they had brought their ships to land, you see where the ships come back to? To land. Come back to land. A full cycle. They left their ships. Now, the Lord found them washing their nets on land. The, the cycle goes wrong. The ships come back on land. But they leave their ships, leave their nets. The Bible tells us that in Matthew 4. They left their nets. And it adds about James and John. They left their father. And they followed him. That's the ultimate purpose of it all. To follow the Lord Jesus. To follow him. That's a thought here, by the way, and something to think, not think about, but about our lives. And three and a half years or so afterwards, you read in John chapter 21, Peter had denied the Lord, and the Lord had appeared unto them. And yet, after the Lord appeared unto them, Peter was still in great distress and depression. Fear, I mean, his failure and lots of other things. Also, although he saw the Lord. It tells us in chapter 21 of John, and Peter went and says, I go fishing. And guess what? He took about eight others with him, maybe. Now, in the beginning, it was James and John. The other partners were there. I go fishing, and the other says, we go fishing too. And it, the boat 
where the Lord had brought him to the place to bring it back on land and followed him, Peter went back to that boat. Well, guess what? The Lord knew Peter's really hurt at the beginning that Peter meant when he left that boat there that he did not intend to go back for it. But friends, through the changing scenes of life, things happen to us that make us go back. Whatever the reasons, but the Lord knows our real desire. And guess what? When Peter and them went fishing, he goes on the beach and looks for them. And he goes, you know the story, and he tells them, cast over your net again. And when he did that, Peter remembered this first time. That is the Lord. And he jumped in the water, headed off to the Lord. And began the story of the Lord restoring Peter. Lovest thou me more than these? We wonder what it is. You know, I'm glad when they said more than these. The Lord doesn't say what it is. So we could surmise. Lovest thou me more than these? Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Peter, do you love me more than this boat? Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples? But he said in a gentle way, lovest thou me more than these? Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. Feed my sheep. And the Lord brought him back to the place where Peter became what the Lord Jesus wanted him to be, one of the greatest fishers of men. And he followed Jesus even to death. In so much that when they were History has it when they were going to kill Peter to crucify him. He says, I'm not, be worthy. I'm not worthy to be crucified, my Lord. You crucify me upside down. Ah, the full cycle. And friends, when it ends like that, you know you have accomplished God's perfect will for your life. Don't you want that to be you? I would love that for myself. So the little process, whatever it starts, Push out a little. Launch out. Cast out your nets. And God wants to bless you. And in blessing you, to bless others. To bring to pass his perfect will for your lives. May you experience that in your life. So at the end of it all, you can hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of of thy Lord. Father, take these words and use it, even as you use Peter's boat to bless these a little bit, that they might be blessings unto others. I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. And God bless you, Brother Carl. And I-